Ten. Here we go. Okay, we are concluding our series called Having a Heart Like God with a Life Like Mine. We studied the life of King David. And uh, today we're going we're gonna to conclude it uh, with a lesson that I've called, Was It Worth It? David, as we studied his life, began with a bang as he was anointed king, and then he faced Goliath and defeated Goliath and then became the king of Israel and so forth. And then right in the middle, he had a little glitch. Um, when he should have been out doing what he was supposed to be doing, he stayed at home. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, got involved in sin, just about ruined his life. Yet, God came to him, and through his confession, he was restored to fellowship, and God ended up using his own son, Solomon, to build the temple. Now, when you come to First Chronicles chapter 29... We're going to look at verse number 26. We're at the end of David's life. Life is over. First John, or First Chronicles 29, verse 26. The Bible says, David, son of Jesse, was king over all Israel. He ruled over Israel 40 years, seven in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. Now, notice verse 28. He died. At a good old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor, his son Solomon succeeded him as king. As for the events of King David's reign, from beginning to end, they are written in the records of Samuel the seer, the records of Nathan the prophet, and the records of Gad the seer, together with the details of his reign and power, and the circumstances that surrounded him and Israel and the kingdoms of all the other lands. The Bible says that when David came to the end of his life, here is the testimony of how God summarized David's life. God said he enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor, and his son Solomon succeeded him as king. Now, I don't know about you, but... When I die, if someone could say about my life, I died at a good old age, I guess as opposed to a bad old age, a good old age, I enjoyed a long life, I enjoyed wealth, I enjoyed honor, and my children succeeded me in doing what was right and doing what God called them to do. What greater epitaph could you have of your life? Yet, that's exactly the way God described David's life when David's life came to an end. Now, how did all that happen? If you were to ask David, was it worth it to have a heart like God? Remember, the reason we're studying David is the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. So, if you were to ask David, was it worth it? Living your life for God, living your life in obedience to God, was it worth it? Well, you enjoyed a long life, you enjoyed wealth, and you enjoyed honor, and your son succeeded you as king. What do you think he would say in answer to that question? Was it worth it, David? What do you think he'd say? Absolutely. Absolutely it was worth it. So I'm asking us... The same question. Yet, 
we could ask the question in the present tense, because our life isn't over yet. Do you think it will be worth it if we live our life having a heart like God, in obedience to God and God's plan for our life? Well, let's go back and let's look at a couple of things that uh, we've studied over this series that made David a man after God's own heart. These are the things we learned that help us to have a heart like God, just like David. Now, I want you to notice before we review these things, I want you to notice one simple thing about the description of David's life. And it, it, it's two little words. I'll put them in your notes for you. And it's the two words he enjoyed. Now, let me ask you a question. Was every part of David's life enjoyable? No. It really wasn't. I mean, there, there were a lot of times where he really had it tough. For example, when King Saul was trying to kill him and he was running for his life, I don't think David would say, man, every morning I woke up turning cartwheels. I just love life. I mean, it, my, my greatest imagination of joy is to have somebody try and kill me every day. I mean, you know, I can't wait. Oh, good. How will he try and kill me today? I mean, you know, life is not Pollyanna all the time. Life is not fun and joy all the time. Let me tell you this. The Christian life is not health, wealth, and prosperity either. Anybody that tries to teach you that there's something wrong with you spiritually if you are not healthy, wealthy, and prosperous just doesn't know the Bible. Now, the Bible says David enjoyed a long life, wealth, and honor. David got to enjoy wealth, for example. That was God's choice for him. But you know what you and I usually think of when we see that word? Money. Do you know wealth includes a whole lot more than just money? For example, take a look at your family. I am married to a wonderful woman. I have eight great kids. I have three wonderful grandkids. I have very little in the bank, but I am wealthy. I'm very wealthy. I have possessions that make my life enjoyable that many people don't have. And it ain't money. Now, if somebody wants to get me a lot of money, I'll be glad to take it. But that's not what makes life wealthy. David enjoyed honor, respect, the peace of mind that he did what was right. Did David always do what was right? No, he didn't. But did he still enjoy overall honor? Sure. Which goes back to what we learned about David. We all sin. None of us are perfect and we will never be perfect till we get to heaven. We have a sin nature that we will battle every day and we are never going to win every one of those battles. We are all still going to sin. That's why First John says when we do, we confess it and God will forgive us. If God knew that we'd never sin again, He'd never put that in the Bible. He said in First John 1, if we say that we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves. So we're going to have to battle. We're going to make mistakes. The first thing Satan wants you to do when you make a mistake is just quit. The last thing God wants us to do when we make a mistake is quit. Get up. 
He wants to forgive us more than we want to forgive ourselves. He loves us more than we would ever be able to love ourselves. Get up and keep going. That's what He wants. So, He enjoyed honor. Didn't mean He was a perfect man. Didn't mean He always did what was right. But overall, in His life, He walked with God and enjoyed honor. I think that's what all of us would want. So how did this all come about? Let's review what we learned about David real quick. First of all, the summary of having an art like God, our series. The first lesson was David, a regular guy. What did we learn about that lesson? We learned that anybody can have a heart like God. God has a specific plan for each one of our lives. That's why we're here. God doesn't do things by chance. God didn't wake up on March the 27th, 1960, and Bill Crockett was born into the world, and he said, Oops, didn't mean to do that. Now what are we going to do? God knew me before I was ever formed in my mother's womb, according to Jeremiah chapter 1, and he already had a plan for my life. That's why I'm here. You're here because God's got a reason for you to be here. I don't know what God's reason is for you. I have enough trouble trying to figure it out for me and just doing what I'm supposed to do. But God has a reason. David was a regular guy. Just like all the rest of it. David wasn't some supernatural being that we will never be able to attain to. He was a regular guy. He made mistakes. But the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. So if David can be that, so can we. Then number two, we looked at David being a servant. Very simple. This just means that God made us just the way he wanted us to be. It is our responsibility to just be obedient to God's Word and His will for my life. I hope that we all understand this, and, and we talk about it a lot, but do you know who the easiest person for you to be is? You. Don't try to be somebody else. It's too much work. Just be you. It's what comes natural. God made you just the way He wanted you. Now, he's working on us to change us, to be more like him, but he made you just the way he wanted you. He made me exactly the way he wanted me. Sorry, but it is me. I am who I am. That's how God made me. God has a purpose for me that has to do with how he made me. So what I need to do is just be obedient to what he teaches me to do, follow daily his purpose for my life, and that's how I'm going to be able to enjoy long life, wealth, and honor and have a heart like God. And that's what you need to do. So David was just a servant. Number three, facing the giants. We're all going to face them in our life. You're going to have Goliath after Goliath try and destroy your life. There is a way that we face them. And we talked about a lot of those things. A couple of things I've written down for you in summary. Focus on God's power, not ours. I can't overcome the giants in my life, but he can. I've got to focus on God's purpose for my life. Because whatever giant comes into my life, God's got a reason for it. I may not always understand what it is, but God's got a reason for it. I need to just do what's right in every situation. I don't know what to do, but I can do right. That In every situation, just do what's right. It may not look like doing right is going to help me win, but doing right is always right. And then, finally, we trust God and not ourselves. Anytime you and I try and fix things, what do we end up doing? We usually end up making it worse. 
Just let God fix it. I control what I can control. I've got to let God control what I can't. You know there's only one person you and I can control, and that's us. I can control me. I can't control you. I can't control what you think about me. I can't control whether you like me or not. I can't control how you treat me. I can't control how other people treat me. I can't control their attitudes. I can't control what they do. But I can control me. And at the end of the day, when we all die and we stand before God, do you know who I have to give an account for? Just me. Thank goodness I don't have to answer for you. Just me. That's enough. And that's all you got to answer for. Just you. You know, life gets real miserable when we try and control everybody else or we allow what all these things that are happening that we can't control to affect our life. All those things you and I can't control, God controls those. So just let it. Okay? Then we go on. The next thing we talked about was handling people God's way. That kind of goes right along with what we just talked about. There is a right way to handle people. And remember we learned there are good people in our life and there are bad people in our life. And no, you can't take your shotgun and shoot all the bad people. Because they'll just more bad people come after them. Okay? We can't do that. So we've got to learn how to handle them. Well, how does God say we handle them? Well, we learned a lot of things. But number one, focus on my actions, not theirs. I can only control me. Number two, do right in every situation. And then number three, remember God has a purpose. So let God deal with those people that are treating me wrong. What did God say? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That's His job. That's not mine. You know, the most taxing, the most depressing effort you will ever embark on is the effort to get revenge from someone who's done you wrong. It will ruin your life. It will not affect them a bit. You don't want to do that. That's why God said. He knew what it would do to us. So that's why He said, you let me deal with them. You just take care of you. Okay? Then the next lesson we learned was David walked with God. This is so critical in all of our lives. And you know what? It's one of the greatest privileges of being a Christian. We have the privilege daily to walk in a real personal relationship with the Creator of the universe. Paul said in the book of Romans, we can call him our daddy, Abba Father, literally meaning he's our dad. He is our heavenly father. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He loves me more than I can love myself. Man, what a great privilege. I can talk to him. I can go to him and say, Father, I'm hurting. I need help. You know, every day of my life, I talk to God. Not always on my knees for 45 minutes. I talk to him all day long. You know the first thing I say normally when I wake up every morning before I ever get out of the bed? The first thing I say is, Father, I need you to help me today. I say it almost every day. Father, please help me today. I need help. You don't have to confirm that, but I do. I need help. I struggle with all kinds of things. Wish some of them would just go away, but they won't. But I've got a Heavenly Father that can help me through any of them. Well, that's what David did. He walked with God. Okay? Then, we saw David's passion for God's work. And that came when he, when he talked about building the temple. What a passion he had 
for serving God and fulfilling the purpose that God had for his life. And that's the thing that you and I need to pray for. Figure out what the gifts are God's giving you and use them to help serve him. And then finally, how do I overcome sin? We talked about this. First of all, we've got to understand the process. And remember, James describes the process to us. So let me ask you a question. Is it a sin for you and I to be tempted to sin? Is that a sin? Let me give you a verse. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says, Jesus is our high priest. He was touched with the feelings of our infirmities just like we were. The verse says he was tempted in all points just like we are, yet without sin. So let me ask you a question. I ask it again. Is it a sin to be tempted? No. Jesus was tempted yet without sin. James says every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when that lust concedes, it bears fruit into an action, it becomes sin. So it is not a sin for me to be drawn away and enticed. That's temptation. We all have personal parts of our lives that present the strongest temptations to sin. And they're all different. Mine are probably not yours, and yours are not mine. That's why it's so important that we understand the process, and we understand what Satan is going to try and do. By the way, that same passage in James 1, verse 14 says, Let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. So if God's not tempting me to sin, who is? The devil is. Satan. What is his plan for my life? Well, according to what Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, Satan desires to have you so he can sift you like wheat. Jesus told us in John chapter 10, the thief, Satan, comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. So what is his plan for my life? To kill me, to steal, to destroy my life, and to rip it apart like wheat. So how does he do it? He, he comes into those areas of my life where I'm weak. And he tempts me. He pulls me aside and he entices me and tries to get me to give in. If I give in, what is the result going to be? Sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. It's going to destroy my life. Sin is a fact of life. It's an ugly fact of life. There are those who would teach that being a Christian is wonderful and that God is not a judge and God would never hurt anybody. And the truth is, God doesn't hurt anybody. We hurt ourselves. God doesn't have to punish me. If I sin, the natural process of sin will punish me in itself. Sin brings death. When Adam and Eve spiritually died in the garden, did God look down and say, you did something I don't like. I'm going to zap you. No. God said, do not eat of the fruit of this tree. If you do, in the day you do, you will surely die. In other words, eating the fruit of that tree, the result of that will bring spiritual death. I'm not going to have to force it to happen. 
It's just going to happen naturally. So don't eat it. What did Satan do? He came along and he enticed Eve. Why? Because he wanted the death to come. He wanted to destroy their life. So he said, come on, it's okay. Did God really say this would happen? God's not going to do that to you. That won't really happen. As a matter of fact, God knows if you do that, you'll be as smart as He is. And she listened to Him. Hey, the process of sin has never changed. It's the same thing today as it was then. Satan is the one who initiates it. He comes to those areas of our life where we're weakest. He draws us aside so we're not thinking about God. And he starts enticing us. At that point, we learned, you run. Run. Don't debate. Don't discuss. Don't negotiate. Run. Remember, we used the illustration of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Remember when Joseph walked in Potiphar's wife's room? Because that was his job. He was working there. She went over and she grabbed him. By the way, Potiphar's wife wasn't some ugly old hag. She was a good-looking woman. If she was an ugly old hag, it would have been no temptation. She was a good-looking woman. Joseph walks in. What does she do? She walks over and she grabs him. Hey, get your hands off of me, you ugly old thing. Joseph didn't say, no, no, Miss Potiphar, let's talk about this for a minute. Let's negotiate. No. He turned and he ran. Didn't oh now he said, How can I do this and sin against God? He wasn't worried about Potiphar. He's worried about God. His relationship to God. How can I do this and sin against God? She said, Lie with me. He said, I'm out of here. He turned, she ripped his coat off and he ran. By the way, what happened because he did what was right? He got falsely accused and thrown into prison. You know what most people do today? When they do what's right and everything don't turn out rosy, well, see, I did what God said and look what happened to me. You can't do that. God knows what He's doing because of that. By the way, did Joseph know the day he got thrown into prison that that would eventually lead to him being second in command in all of Egypt and literally being in control of saving his father and all of his brothers and ultimately the whole nation of Israel? Did Joseph know all of that? Not the day he got thrown into prison. Why did he go? He trusted that God knew what he was doing. You know, God sees the whole picture. God sees 20 years from now where he needs you to be. And he also knows all of the circumstances and incidents in your life that he needs to have happen to get you there. That's why nothing ever happens by chance. God has a purpose for everything. The problem is, God sees 20 years from now. I don't. I can't even see 20 seconds from now. Well, I have to trust Him. David was a man who learned how to overcome sin. He learned how to deal with it. And then we studied Psalm 51 about when he did sin, that God loved him more than he loved himself. And he forgave him. You know, God wants to forgive us. God doesn't want my life to be defeated by sin. But God knows I'm going to sin. It's going to happen. I wish I could sit here today and tell you
that Bill Crockett has learned enough about God that I am never going to commit another sin the rest of my life. The problem is, probably ten minutes after I get out of here, something's going to happen and I'm going to do something stupid. That's just the kind of person I am. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that your teacher is the greatest example of spirituality. I'm the only example you will ever need to follow. But if you follow me, you're going to be in big trouble. However, what I can do is I can teach you about somebody in this book that you can follow. And he'll never let you down. And he'll never be a bad example. And he's the same one I try to follow. I'm not telling you to follow me. I'm telling you to come on a journey with me as we together follow him. He's the one we follow. Because we all make mistakes, and that's why we need each other. When we do, we need each other to help each other up. Because we're going to make them. Okay? So, David was a man after God's own heart. You and I can have that same heart if we just do the things David did. He wasn't perfect. But he did have, have a heart like God. And when his life was over, the Bible says because he lived that way, he enjoyed a long life, wealth, and honor. And his son followed him afterwards. That's what I want. I'm pretty sure that's what you want. So together, one day at a time, we just try and do what David did and just walk with God. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us. You forgive us. You teach us. And you help us to be able to live like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be perfect. And that you are there to help and instruct us when we do make mistakes. We're here today because we want you to know we want to have a heart like yours. We want to walk with you and be passionate about your work and fulfill your purpose for our lives. But we've got to have your help, Lord. We can't do this on our own. Please encourage us, strengthen us, meet our needs, direct our steps, give us wisdom to make wise decisions, and most of all, honor yourself through each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.